Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt With You Podcast. I'm your co-host, no longer the host, Luke, <laughs> sitting here with the host of the Hunt With You Podcast, Carter, what's up, man? Former co-host, promoted to host. I just demoted myself because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be promoted. Well, you, you were the host for so long when I was gone. I think it was better. I came back from deployment and it got worse. <laughs> <laughs> I think our listenership went down. All of our positive reviews were like... Carter and Bobby are crushing it. I come back, we get no reviews. Leave us some reviews. Go go drop us a review. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, if you appreciate what we're doing. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Drop, even if you don't, leave us a good review. Yeah, just lie. Yeah. Yeah, we're just looking for five stars every time. Every time. Every time. Or don't review us. Why don't you go ahead and introduce your there, yourself there, mustache man. Uh, I'm Garrett Carver. I've been on the podcast a couple times, just... Coming back because we're out here hunting for fourth rifle season out here in Colorado. Oh, yeah. And if you watch this on YouTube, you can see how much snow there is. Uh, we came in. We had bad bad fog, and we're going to knock this out real quick. We also got the man himself, Ron Jitter, a.k.a. John Ritter. What's up, man? Not much, dude. Just trying to stay warm. <laughs> yeah, it's a <laughs> big cold guy. It's a little <laughs> chilly here. Yeah, for somebody that's from the Northeast, you uh, you definitely don't handle the cold well. You've Bad been down in Louisiana too long. It's the only thing wrong with my genetics. Other than that, I'm perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, we've uh, <clears throat> we've had some. It's been a good experience so far. We're on day two, three, 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 day three, halfway through day three on a five day fourth rifle elk hunt. For most of us, it's probably going to be a four day hunt. There's not a lot of time, especially for elk. Um, real short season. Yeah, real short season. Colorado, the slate seasons is kind of rough for that. Uh, but it's still it's still been a hell of an experience. Even if we don't get one on the ground, we've been seeing elk, which is nice. But that's only a, a fraction of the battle that you got to get to them, especially in this country. Yeah, it's really tough, especially if you can't find them right off the rip. <clears throat> we spent a couple days trying to pinpoint exactly where they're at. What elevation, what piece of country, what, you know, we've been high, we've been low, we've been, you guys did get on them in the middle, but. Yeah, John and I got on them that second day and haven't been able to get back on them since, but we found a pretty solid sized herd at a pretty good distance away. And once we got over there, we found majority of the cows again, but we didn't find the bulls we were looking at. Well, it was really nice to get, to get here on. a day early and have a day to scout all together yeah. and get a lay of the land and get a feel if, if if you've never hunted in an area before and you you said this a couple times but like to have a feel for the country i'm going to be hunting and what what options do we have like what does the landscape look like we got here in dark so i had no idea until the next morning where can we actually hunt like wh what are we working with yeah let's back up a little bit so we're actually out with uh bear creek outfitters this is a relationship that garrett and i formed back at National Wild Turkey Convention, Federation Convention, uh, back in February. We met Tim, the owner, and decided to set up a drop camp, which is cool. And for those that don't know the difference, so <clears throat> you have like a traditional guided hunt where you can go out with the guide. Um, what they do here typically for the guided option is the guides will drop you off, and it's kind of a lot of uh, ground blind, tree stand hunting. But what we're doing is it's all DIY. We just can hunt out of camp. Sleep in a dry cabin. Sleep in a dry cabin and then hunt from there on our own. And then we're hunting public, but we're accessing it from the private side, which is a nice little 
advantage there because if anybody was going to hunt where we're hunting, it would be a bear uh, for them to get it out if they got down into that that stuff. So we're actually we're pretty much on our own. We haven't seen another hunter, which is cool. So it's still public land, but being able to have the access from this approach gives us a little bit of an advantage, which is nice, which we've talked about in previous podcasts, just removing some of those variables uh, with the hunters, removing some of the competition is always a good thing whenever you can do it. And the drop camp aspect's nice too, because you do have, you're getting intel from the guides, getting some tips, tricks, maybe places to look. And we did come in a day early. We had planned on trying to come in two days early, but we ended up getting in late. You guys got into some gnarly traffic. <laughs> Which is typical so for Colorado. Yeah. So I-70 was gridlocked. So we missed a, a probably half a day of scouting on that end. And then John and I ended up getting into some deep snow. And we lost lost some time on the on the way out here, too. But, yeah, it's uh, it's been an experience. I've seen more elk than I have in my couple years elk hunting since we've been out here. And that first day, we set up different points. We're glass in different areas. Why don't, uh, why don't you kind of talk about... Well, I guess I'll talk the morning. Or John, why don't you talk the morning about where we were and, and what we uh, what we what we were seeing there in that basin? The first day of scouting. Yeah. Um. Yes, yeah, so we came in. We split that morning, right? It was just me and you on that rock. Yep. Yeah. So we uh, there's a really nice pride rock, kind of like out of Lion King. You got going on. You look down either edge and. It's a, I don't know, Carter doesn't get too close to that, to the edge of that rock. <laughs> Our super fancy name for that place around here is The Rock. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing I didn't mention is Garrett's been guiding up here, actually, for the last couple seasons. So, unfortunately, he didn't spend a lot of time where we were. He glassed a bunch, but he definitely didn't get as in- intimate with the country where we went as uh, as we did this week. But, yeah, sorry, John, continue. Uh, so, we're up on this rock, and you can kind of – I mean, I don't – you you got to be able to see close to two miles up there when it's clear. Oh, at least, yeah. Oh, if not more. It's, yeah. It's yeah, I mean, it's – it's. I've never hunted this style of spot and stalk glass, you know, glass for a couple hours and, and look for them and then hunt them. And it's uh, – <laughs> it's, it's, that's the best word for it. It's overwhelming. Like, you'll get under the binoculars and you'll pick out a spot using, like, you know, top over trails, trying to segment out a spot to glass and – spend 10 minutes under under glass looking at an area and you, you look up and you're like oh my god yeah. i've looked at a half a percentage of, of what i can see right now <laughs> yeah. so obviously you know i got a lot to learn there and there's there's some some tricks i'm sure luke will get into at some point in this podcast but um it's it's expansive and wild <laughs> and uh you can see two three ridges and even the close ridge you're like man if, if i see something over there it's it's going to take us all it's going to take us half a day to get there yeah and all night to get out if something goes down. Um, and you can see two or three ridges past that. So it's, it's you have to first find them, which is a task in and of itself while you're glassing. And then looking out over that expanse and making a plan once you do find them is a, a chore in and of itself. And some of those spots, if you did find them, <laughs> if it's late enough in the day, it's so far away you don't even go after them. You can't. That day. No. You're you like, can't. okay, let's, let's drop a pin and see if we can find them tomorrow. That's how far we're talking. Well, yeah, and that's that's basically what ended up happening was so that morning John and I were glassing and I picked out what I thought was an elk. It was is probably it was like what did we decide it was like one point two miles out something like that. And so I gets you're looking at a silhouette basically as the sun comes up and sh- she was in a shadow and saw another one and there's only two and so then John and I were like is that an elk or a mule deer? She finally turned full profile for me and because they were kind of 
facing dead on and it's a little bit hard to tell and uh when she turned full profile it was clearly an elk so we're like all right there's cows there we got bull tags and then i have a mule deer tag well then i watched a mule deer buck move into that same basin above him and he, we're on the, in the rut here and he was clearly rutting i don't think he was very big i think he was probably a three by three or a, or a small four by four but it's hard to tell from that far away but he was you know nose to the ground running everywhere but we're like that and that that's like the basin when i've studied western hunting you always hear about it like all the western hunting i've done to this point i've done a little bit of the higher country stuff but a lot of it's been wyoming and lower colorado uh but that's like the basin you want like you know, like that's gonna hold critters and then so we're, we're like all right well, we saw animals there what's next and then you guys didn't see anything on the first glass in point that morning right no we didn't you know i feel like it looked real elky or deery to me which clearly it is but yeah <clears throat> wasn't when we were there but yeah we glassed the heck out of that spot and we're looking up the mountain from the bottom which was also very deceiving which is also not the bottom which is not the bottom at all we thought it was <laughs> not even close actually. no it's actually really high yeah we didn't see anything but the the basin you're talking about this topography is so deceiving because that basin doesn't make sense. Like, why would it? <laughs> these cliffs are so sheer, and these hollers are so. What's the crazy one that? The hellhole. The hellhole. I mean, dude, it's insane. Topography's insane, and I'm very scared of heights. I've been pretty terrified <laughs> the majority of this trip. <laughs> it's like a lot different than one. Like I've been uncomfortable for a lot of the uh, hiking we've done. Yeah. Well, we flipped spots that evening so we took one of the or we took one of the guides went out with john and i to glass where you guys were in the morning and then you guys went to the to the rock and so that morning or that evening we were we were glassing and we didn't see anything until old george saw a little bit and <laughs> give us the rundown on, on george and, and that whole thing <laughs> george is a wild man he's uh I think he's lived in one of these cabins for the last like 30, 40 years. That's how it appears anyway. But uh, everyone said he's got the eye for elk. So we went out there. And he, he was hunting in jeans. He was, he was in jeans and a, <laughs> and a jeans Carhartt and a car hoodie. And a t-shirt. It was a Carhartt hoodie, not even the, a heavy jacket. And John and I were in like full hunting layering system. I had three base layers on. <laughs> <laughs> and a jacket. Yeah. Like it was I, insane. I, I had base layer. I think I put my puffy pants on at one point. And like he, he had that Bud Diesel base layer. Yeah, yeah he had a couple of Bud Bud Diesels in him for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is before like the season started, and so we're up there just kind of scouting. And and he, we're talking about going back, and he uh, he picks out a bull, nice blonde, like real blonde, uh, good bull. I got the spotter on him. I couldn't count the points, but he was like you, you could tell immediately. Like it's a shooter for sure. He's probably a good five by five or a, or a smaller six by six. You know, he he was he didn't have the mass that which really pops um, from that distance, but he he definitely was a good bull. So that got us fired up because that was the first bull we had seen. Um, and the bulls we're looking for four points on a side or a or a five inch brow tine. Brow tine, yeah, eye guard, whatever. Yep. So we're not out here looking for all seven by seven. I mean, that'd be sweet. But oh yeah, <clears throat> we're looking for some legal bulls. Yeah. Just for context. <laughs> I had high hopes on mule deer because this tag's hard to get, and I got it. But we have not seen a lot, so it's spikes, or it's forky season. Not forky spike. Season. I'm not going to shoot a, it's a spike. It's officially forky season. It's officially forky season. But, yeah, so game plan the next day, we actually swapped kind of 
group. So Cole Carter and I were going to move to that basin. Well, while you guys were spotting that bull, oh yeah, I'm I, sorry. Re- I reconfirmed. Yeah, those, sorry those about elk that. Came back to that basin. Yep. And found those, which was really cool because we've been glassing all day, and one, it's just cool to spot elk. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I did it. I was like, yeah, that's an elk. That's cool. And uh, that's what that looks like. Yeah, binos. it was cool. And they, you know, fed into the. And Garrett and I watched them for a long time. They fed into the basin. We thought the one in the front was maybe a bull. One behind was a cow. There may have been two mealy does up on that basin too. And that was cool. We watched them for almost an hour. Probably about that long. Yeah, it's cool watching elk do elk things. So that was a good start. You know, we're like, okay, the day of scouting, we found animals, which sometimes you can go out and it takes you three days to even find the critters. So that was a good good start. And we decided, okay, we'll, we'll divide and conquer. No reason to have, you know, a couple groups rolling. I mean, one big group rolling out, especially if we have two locations that we know are hold, holding animals. So Tayshaun, our cameraman, Garrett, and John decided to go to where we saw that bull with George and then – Carter, Cole, and I were going to make a play to that basin. And Garrett was like, yeah, there's a that there's a road, and you just walk down it, and it's right there. He really undersold how long of a walk that was. So he drops us off <laughs> on the property line coming off the private onto the public. To me, that's a short walk. It was short, and it was easy, but it was three miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a short walk. Yeah, you, you undersold how far it was. You made it sound like it was like right there. Like when we walked up, and I was like, I was, I was like, all right, we need to drop our shit. One, shed a layer, and then two, I need to figure out where on the map on Onyx where we are and do a quick map check because none of this looks like the ridges I thought. That we was were, the other crazy part. We Looking were, at it from the other side, I was like, where are we? It's totally different. And I'm like counting ridges, and I'm trying to figure out like where the rock is, and like realize the house. Like we gotta, we gotta walk, boys. This isn't a hop, skip, and a jump. We were already running a, a couple minutes behind as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe Here we, we can talk about <laughs> just why a few. <laughs> we had left. Luke, Luke is very good at you know being prepared. Oh my god, having everything all squared away and and yelling at everybody who's gear, not ready. Show me your making sure the night before. Show me your license. Everybody have their orange. Pack your <laughs> packs and have everything ready to go ready you to have roll. extra ammo your guns by the door ready to go and we did and we loaded everything i did too up. yep and then uh, <laughs> until i got to the truck <laughs> then we got in the truck and we drove and we drove and we drove to the all right we line. drove about a quarter mile we off. drove for about yeah. three hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah we drove and luke quickly realized he was missing a key component to this trip all right what happened was Garrett had decided that we were going to shoot all these mallards off the water, even though the, everything's frozen. He's going to pit it on you, dude. Yeah, I knew Luke that was forgot his happen. rifle. That's that's <laughs> what it comes down to. Luke left his rifle behind uh, the vehicle I did. in camp. It was so bad. It's lucky that it was behind the vehicle and we didn't have to back up. Well, I'd, it was off, also offset. I learned that lesson when we gave and I left our packs behind the side by side. He backed over them <laughs> during a Wyoming hunt. Uh, yeah, so I opened the car door and it was, you know, damn near pitch dark and I saw Garrett's rifle and then his shotgun that he put in there to shoot the mallards on the water and to me it registered my brain rifles in the truck good to go and I'll in the dark I'm feeling as we're driving and I my thumb went into the receiver where like the shells go and I was like did I lose my base plate like what the fuck and then I quickly realized that I was not touching my rifle I was touching his shotgun and had a mild panic attack and mind you, at this time, they're running the other clients out to their to their tree stands, the ones that are hunting tree stands. So now we got to flip. We were already moving. We were already a little bit later than we wanted to leave. 
and Garrett had to drop us off and then drive all the way clear across the property to go back to where they were going to glass. So we had to drive through, and there was a, a client who was not very happy as he was standing there about to walk to his stand, and we rolled up as the sun was coming up. But he saw some animals later, so it was all right. But, yes, I did. I fucked up and forgot my rifle. So we were running a little late anyways. So that was about a – but also the walk was we, we should have gotten if we wanted to be at the basin at sun up like we talked about we need to be at the gate at probably three thirty a.m. I'm also not mad that we didn't you know I'm glad we didn't do that hike in the dark just from my point of view I'm it probably would have been it. better for you <laughs> yeah you would have had no idea that. I was like peeking off the like over to the cliffs and like look, glassing down in those bottoms and I was like Carter can glass man he's like nah <laughs> <laughs> not about it not about it at all but yeah so then we. Uh, we move in. We get set up on the basin, and we also saw the most amount of sign. I've never seen more other than deer tracks. yesterday when we were in that spot. The, the, the most animal sign I've ever seen. Did you guys see any cat tracks up there? Yeah. Yes. A lot of coyotes. And the biggest coyotes I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, honestly, if I didn't know for sh- for mostly sure, like I would think it was a wolf track. Like it was a big oh, yeah. track. Bear tracks. Yeah. Elk. That's deer. like a super highway up there, that road, dude, for we need whatever to sh- reason. The, mule, the like, mule deer tracks. Dude, we need to throw a cell cam on that thing. Yeah, this buck oh, we yeah. were That's walking on behind, on his the tracks agenda. were yeah. huge. I know a guy who has a, a dealer account for Tacticam. Yeah, if we, if we could go ahead and get like 30 of those cameras for this property, that would be pretty sweet. If things work out the way, we hope they do, possibly. But, yeah, so that that was cool. I mean, we didn't – We long story short, we, we sat there till dark, and we'll stop and we'll – let them tell theirs, and we'll tell our sojourn getting home, which I'm surprised Carter didn't have a panic attack. I was on the verge of a panic attack the entire day. <laughs> we were hot. I couldn't even glass, dude. <laughs> we were sitting on the side of this. I was getting annoyed because I'm like, are you going to pick up your binos? And he's like, I can't. <laughs> if I would glass anything above my eye line, I would feel like I was falling. Dude, it was dude, terrible. the number of times he act, like thought he was falling off of the cl- uh, It was like we muddy <laughs> and when it <laughs> You know what? it got like 40 50 degrees during the day and the when it was hot and that snow and the frozen ground started melting and it got like muddy and I, my boots started slipping and I was like grabbing <laughs> onto whatever I could hold. I was like I'm falling off the mountain. It's <laughs> like shut up, dude. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we got there and we were glassing in the basin. And then we were glassing over some other peaks and and kind of, we'll grab some. No, you're good. You're good. That lunch was our, our awesome cook telling us that lunch is ready. We'll get some chili when we wrap this up. But, uh, but yeah, that's where we were. So, John, why don't you take it from, from your morning because it, it, it happened quick for you guys. Yeah, we went to <clears throat> on the same glassing pad that old uh, local George found that bull on the night before. <laughs> so we started looking up there. We saw it and uh, couldn't find anything. And then. Honestly, within a couple minutes, the elk just started. Uh, the entire ridgeline was covered in elk. I mean, we probably saw it was like two herds of at least twenty to thirty. Um, handful of group, you know, small groups of cows all along the rest of the ridgeline, and then we we honed in on two bulls that were generally in the same at the same elevation in the same uh, direction. The one from the night prior had been traveling, uh, and they were you know they were alone. All the cows were kind of out in the open on some of the sand slides, and they were hugging the timber and popping in and out. So um, we Garrett got the spotter on, and we saw that one at least one was a shooter. One was um, really fucking nice. Yeah. Really and nice. And then, uh, I mean, that was really it. We saw them. Once we saw the bulls, we started making a plan, plotted on Onyx, 
it's like two miles straight straight line <laughs> so probably a little bit further uh the route that we had to take carter forgot he's on videos he's over here playing on his phone no i'm, I'm getting showing trail cam I'm photos tacticam pictures right now in georgia <laughs> there's a buck i should be shooting right now <laughs> he was just about to put his hand down his pants because he was getting excited <laughs> oh that's what deer look like <laughs> I haven't seen very many here but anyway sorry john no, so we made our plan and um you know we wanted to get up and get on that elevation line or above it if possible and find ourselves some shooting lanes right where they where we had seen them go into the woods and, and bed down. So we started that trek. How was that hike in? Awful. It wasn't fun. So what? <laughs> we went a mile. <laughs> kind of talk through like I've had more. Fun. <laughs> talk through the the game plan of like as you're, like what are you utilizing to look at those the elevation line the contours? How are you picking the routes? What are you looking at? Yeah, for, I mean, for all that. The biggest thing, you know, I've been. You have to understand how to read a map topographically. Um, you cannot, especially like this. This place is insane, and and it it's indescribable. But what you see is not what's on it. It's so far away that it looks flat. You know, you don't when you're glassing over there. You're like, there's it doesn't look it doesn't look steep. It looks like you could tra you could traverse the entire thing, and you there it's it's impossible. There's only a couple routes you can take. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, personally, I have a rule where I avoid water at all cost, and even if there's not water, it's not about the water; it's about the the brush yep. and the and the just the shit that's down there. You know, I I will walk an extra six hundred meters around the end of a, the end of a creek and not cross it. I sometimes you get lucky and there's not a lot of stuff down there, and you can just jump right across, but. Man, at least half the time it's just like you're like, man, I would have walked an extra two miles and not be down here. And that seems to be pretty consistent across regions, right? Like in the south, it's like mountain, the deep spectrum. south. If you're in uh, Appalachia in the mountains, you get down in those hollers. If you get up in the call them drainages up here, but if you get up into the drainages here, like anywhere that there's going to be moisture moving down, that's typically where it's just going to be thick buck brush out here mountain laurels brambles all the other stuff back home like it just gets real nasty and so plus it's shit like going up and down buckbrush is a stupid tree or whatever yeah. shrub whatever shrub. you want to call it i don't even know what it actually is i think it's just what we call all the short stuff i say we have lived out west for four years but um it's scrub oak a lot of it and then not here but elsewhere it's in uh, where it's like flatter, it's a lot of sage, but it's just all that shrubbery, thick shit. Half of it's got briars on it. It's just not what you want to be moving through, and you definitely want to take your damn puffy off because that's how you end up with patches all over <laughs> it. Like I've got on mine, I got Luco tape all over my puffy. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that that's a great point, John. Is like paying attention to those contours. If you guys don't understand how to read a map, I don't mean that like kind of sinningly, but it's it's a big deal because you can put yourself in a bad spot. It's not flat, and in paying attention to those contour lines, and then following them. And knowing what elevation you're at and then what the elevation the critters are at, it's going to really give you that leg up and, and how to move to them. And then a reference point for elevation so you can get to Because like John said, it doesn't look anything like what it is no. when you get on the ground. And it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, had this been – I just can't – We Luke and I got over here from Louisiana. Like, I would have done the same thing in avoiding water. You know, it's not about – I don't even think we would have got our feet wet. There's not enough water down there. I doubt there is even any you water know, at all in it's, that creek it's, bed. Yeah, like no. you said, it's, it's, right it's everything it's that's an efficiency around it. It's thing. all the willow it's patches. Not, it's all the yeah. It's all the shit. Yeah, most of it's just snow melt drainages. Mm -hmm. 
So that was first thing, find a path without water. And there were really only two. Um, and then the other thing I like to do is I like to find a ridge line and, and just get somewhere where I can walk up that ridge slow and steady until I get to my elevation and then work my way across the spot that I want to be on. I don't, I don't like going diagonally across things. I just want to go straight up, <laughs> get there, <laughs> take a couple breaks. Yeah, and, we know. And then move <laughs> across that elevation. We're very well aware of that. So Garrett and I came up with this plan, and it untypically went almost perfectly. Other Weirdly than the enough. fact that right, so we had to go, we had to climb off our mountain down into the bottom and then turn, you know, north and start heading up the other mountain where we saw the elk. And we got down to that bottom and I pulled out Onyx and I'm, I'm like, dude, there's a, there's a trail right here that goes over to the main road on the property line, like 500 meters away. Like, why didn't we just drive here? <laughs> just <laughs> walked a mile through cut, Aspen. Yeah, it would cut off that first Aspen half of our hike, probably. But. <laughs> You've but been whatever, here for three months, guiding. You just said it yourself. I spent no time over there. I've been driving guys to tree stands and working this side of the mountain. But anyway, we started, we started hiking up, went really well. We stopped a couple times. We could peek over this ridge that we were on and glass down into some basins. Um, we made it, I mean, it took us three hours to get up there, four hours. After taking all the breaks that we did throughout it and kind of like, I think we took a couple of wrong, small wrong turns, but we had to, yeah, fighting it, through that buck brush or the scrub brush and everything else, like it just, it adds a lot of time to it. So it was what, like 1.8 miles when it was like, as the crow flies. That's, and a, that's we, another key piece. But like, it was yeah. closer to four. Dude. Probably closer to four around. by the time we got up there. And then we, it took us every bit of four hours to get up there. And I also like to go really slow at the end. You know, that last thousand yeah. meters I was crawling. Oh yeah. No, at that point you're taking three, four, five steps, glassing your, every surrounding. You're taking another three, four, five steps, glassing all your surroundings. Cause Every five steps, the woods change. Yep. Your view changes. So we finally got out there. We got we got set on a, like literally exactly where we wanted to be, and yeah. we had about a two hundred yard shot to where we had we had seen them at some point, but beyond that two hundred, there was a this IV line that you could not see from where we were glassing. So we we could only we thought we were able to see four hundred yards up there on the top of the sand slide, and we could only see half of it. So Garrett and the cameraman start getting set, and I look up behind us, and there's there's more high ground. There's like a small peak a couple hundred yards from us, and I decided to walk up there and see if I could get a better vantage point, and Garrett and I had come up with some, like, hunter orange hat, hand and arm signals to say whether or not he should come up or if I was going to come back down or, or whatever. So I made it up there. Couldn't find the trees that I had seen from where Garrett was, so I, I never saw them. <laughs> you know, we're only like 150 yards away, and I can't. I'm like, I can't find them. This is outrageous. They were down in those aspens. They were just on that. <clears throat> they were just right on that cliff face. You know, I could see the cliff face, but I couldn't find them. These bananas, an animal that big, just wants to hang out. <laughs> yeah, some of the some of the paths that we watched them take, the, like the last few days, like following their tracks, they're like going down shit that I would never even dream of being able Dude, to make it. Don't ski it. Not to fast forward too much, but yesterday that one that they were down were yeah, just straight off the cliff. It's you'd like you'd have were, to rappel down it, yeah. like literally, like you would need ropes and you would rappel down that if you were a human. And these things are walking like a six hundred pound animal 
It makes you wonder if they were like were scared and running and like almost did like the uh, the old buffalo thing of like get, <laughs> yeah. just run off the cliff. When you see the tracks and like where they're going, you're like, oh, there's gonna be a pile of dead elk at the bottom <laughs> of this. There's gotta be. Like there should be some frozen carcasses we could just tag out right <laughs> I now. I would have put my tag on it for sure. <laughs> but yeah, so you you got it on the bulls though, right? Start cutting back straps, boys. I did. So I, I was probably 150 yards from Garrett, but I had to have been another 50 feet higher I'd at least. So. At least, yeah. And uh, I, I, I was able to, I stopped, and I was glassing into the aspens that we had seen him bed in, and I, I saw one of the bulls, but I really, I couldn't see his neck or his head. I just saw his body. I saw some antlers coming back. Pulled out the binos, and I saw two on the back. But we mentioned that we were in a four-point zone. I don't even know if it's a state law or if it's just this, this zone, but it's four on, on each side here. Um, four on one side. Four on one side, sorry. So or, I didn't, or uh, five inch brows, which is yeah, but I'm not taking. I'm, yeah, I'm well, taking and, and we shot. talked about that. And it, you We're did all the right bad thing. Judges of that detriment. Yeah, been <laughs> lying to my wife for so long. But what five inches is? Oh my god! <laughs> it pro- when you can see, if you you can't see its head and its neck, but you can see antlers coming back. I mean, it was. I, I mean, I know are, it was legal. Yeah, um, odds I, are. I'm pretty it, convinced a, it was. It's a mature bull because the intent of the. Tell. The intent of the law is that you're not shooting young elk, yeah. right? And so that five-inch brow gives you the, the wiggle room of if you've got someone with wonky genetics where it's a it's a three-by-three, three, but he's a mature bull with long eye guards, right, versus is it, you know, a spike or a juvenile bull. So, but, you know, I no, it's right. I, it's, I reverted it's, back to my childhood trauma of shooting a 12-point buck and walking up on a basket six, you know? Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> so. it, that ground shrinkage is real. Um and the cold shrinkage out here, but and it, this is not whitetail no. uh, legality that we're dealing with here. No. This is loss of license and loss yeah. of equipment. So now I, I will say out here, it's as long, if you had the right intent, you know, you're not. That might take the animal, but it's it's about intent. If you made a mistake, but it, you should always err on the side of caution and doing the right thing. So and which always, we did. Always self report in that yep. kind of scenario. Yep. Like we we've had some incidents out here that like guys called themselves out on it. Really, at the end of the day, if the game warden doesn't have to put in a bunch of extra work to try to, like, track down what the hell happened, he's going to be a little more lenient. That yeah. doesn't guarantee you anything. I'm no expert, but, like, be I can honest, tell you one yeah. thing. Like, you if you make a guy's job easy, he's not going to be that pissed off about it. Yeah. But if you make him have to do, like, the full extent of his job, he's probably going to be a lot harder on you about Well, especially if it was, you had go. nefarious intent from the start, right? If you yeah. were just, like fuck it and shot but if you were like man i look how you know his antlers were all the way back to his ass damn near like it looked like <laughs> a mature bull i couldn't see his eye guards or count his front to you know i think then like the game warden would look at it you know it's dependent so don't bank on that so i think you definitely made the right decision to to hold off because you, you had the shot you said 150 after we stood on that point i think and this is another thing because you ranging in that timber it's hard it, and even that scrub uh, the scrub oak, like you could be hitting a limb, you could be hitting like we've talked about that with like the antelope stuff is getting multiple ranges, trying to change your angle because you're trying to get a range with your rangefinder, and none of us have the highest of in, end of rangefinders. You're shooting a laser through a bunch of nasty stuff, so that could be stopping hitting anything. So, what I like to do, and uh, is when I get into new country, is I like tell myself I'm like I play a little game where I'm like, all right, that's. 200 meters or 200 yards and then i take a uh, i'll shoot it with the rangefinder, and then i'm way off and i'm like oh fuck like we did that the f- when we were on the rock it was like 
How far do you think that is? And you range it, and you're two hundred. Like, yeah, 200. oh, six hundred and fifty. Six what? Six forty-seven. You're like, yeah. what the hell? So, doing that will help you do some quick field judges too, and, and have an idea. But it is so hard to gauge distance out here. Like it just is. It's some of it comes with the territory of being a new environment versus you know you know somebody from out west might have a trouble gauging distance and tighter like the whitetail woods you know um which garrett's gonna find out about next week uh, oh, as yeah. we go out to rendezvous team rendezvous and do a doe hunt on my farm but yeah just getting familiar and, and testing yourself i think really helps it, it help, it's helped me judge distance a lot that that's been a good ttp for myself what happened after that uh, I mean, it basically walked out of our lives. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I watched him for like five or 10 minutes. I got, I saw him two or three times, but just, you know, glimpses as he's walking through the, the Aspen. And I, I've, that's the closest I've ever been to an elk. So I, uh, you know, I, I just reverted back to my whitetail knowledge and I'm like, if I start walking towards this thing, he's gone, but I don't, I don't know, you know, I just don't have enough experience. So I could have gone after it, but I. I have no clue how that would have turned out. And he was walking down towards Garrett, towards that that's where he was set up. So I figured, uh, as opposed to me blowing it out, let him hopefully walk down there. I just sat there for 30, 40 minutes and didn't hear anything. So I walked back to Garrett. They didn't see anything. So I think that he had come down on that other 200-yard, you know, just beyond that 200-yard shot that we had. And, uh, yeah, we we didn't see anything. We waited until about last light. I was throwing milkweed all day, all night. Big milkweed guy. Big milkweed guy. <laughs> Why do you use milkweed instead of uh, powder? You can watch milkweed for like ever. Yeah. Until it's out of sight. <laughs> you know, you can throw a couple milkweed pot. Like the powder, you know, you can watch it go for like 10 yards and it wisps away. Milkweed, when you're really trying to play with thermals, you can throw that thing and you can watch it go 20, 30 yards and then catch thermals and either shoot up or shoot down depending on what time of day it is. But if you're not familiar with milkweed, it looks like really large dandelion seeds. Um, so it's it floats and you you can find pods back east down in bottoms it's a wet uh wetland plant and yeah it's great for that i'm out of milkweed and i've been using powder and i, I definitely am missing it because it's definitely significantly better shout out to dan infold that's a hell of a yeah that's where i learned it you yeah. watch like the hunting public those guys are all using it now it's it's uh it's getting it's real a pretty sweet little plant for checking the wind but anyway, the thermals started. I've been hunting thermals, you know, ever since I learned about it, really, three or four years ago. And you see it a little bit in Louisiana. Like, if you're over water, you can watch Ex the thermal explain drop. Explain what a thermal is, specifically. Uh, I mean, basically, real quick, like, and it, it's more prominent in hill, hill country, like, as we're in now, or mountain country, as we are now. At night, you know, everything's dark. The sun comes up, and as it hits these ridges and starts to heat up the ground, you know, warm air rises, so warm air starts to run up these draws and up these ridges, and you know it can. If, if there's not a lot of wind, the thermals will actually overpower the wind, and it'll it'll draw your scent straight up uphill. And then, you know, the converse in the evening when you're sitting on a ridge, and then that sun goes down and the shadows start to hit, and that cold air just starts ripping down the mountain. It's it, it will. You know, you know how normally at right at twilight, like the wind stops. That's what happens, and those thermals completely take over. And, and Garrett and we watched; they were throwing that milkweed, and it was going up and over our left shoulder up the mountain all day. And then, right as that sun went down, throw that milkweed and just just shooting. I mean, fast straight down the mountain. So when we had that, and no longer the wind being an issue, moving up to those bulls, we pushed up to that 
200 yards where we couldn't see any further, looked over the edge, saw a bunch more cows out in the distance, but we uh, we never saw those bulls again. So, But I think that was the right play. We waited for the thermals to shift, and then we made our move. Learning thermals and, and actually understanding what air does and what the wind is huge because you, know, you hear it all the time, like, oh, we were moving on the stock and the wind swirled on us. It's like the wind doesn't swirl. There's the wind in the direction that it's coming. The wind will shift based off cold fronts and anything else coming in in the wind direction based on weather. But the wind is going to be relatively constant. The thermals are what shifts it. So that wind swirling is where the wind is hitting the thermal. And so if you know that, and that's why that happens a lot when you're, out, when you're on a stalk is because they actually position themselves specifically for that reason into those positions. And so that will help you identify places. And that's something that I've found to be consistent across hunting whitetails to mule deer to elk is with cervids at least. I don't think antelope give a fuck because they can see for a million miles. But they're positioning themselves in areas where the, the wind and the thermals meet. And so that now they can have that scent from multiple directions and especially spots where that wind is going to swirl. And so you need to know that going into it and that it will help you pick your route better. Uh, that on a stalk so understanding thermals is huge yeah and we're no experts but if no, you if you definitely not if you look up dan and fall the hunting beast gear my, my main man or uh the, <laughs> he's the hunting public man they, they they got a bunch of youtube videos on it you can we could do three podcasts on thermals those guys the hunting public guys are probably some of the best out there right now for their ability to just get into new areas and get on animals and get on bucks, uh, especially for whitetail. But they're doing it with it. They've, they've been going out west here recently, so those guys are awesome. And they learned a lot of what they know from Dan, and he's the OG, at least for, you know, the old-timers have been that know have been doing this for a long time, but Dan's the first one to really, seems to be, to be pushing it out there to, to public consumption, and he's killed more you know, Boone and Crockett bucks on public land in high-pressured areas than we've ever seen. So, pretty awesome. So, so what happened with that second herd? Uh, from that night? Yeah. I mean, we saw them. We watched them. We saw them bed down. Was it this, you all, were you all in the same spot? Where we were hunting up top? Mm-hmm. This is when we had moved. So, the thermal switch, we moved mm-hmm. up 200 yards. We got to the next little IV line. And, uh... There were a bunch of cows in there. They're bedded. I mean, they were bedded feet from water, which it wasn't even on Onyx. I don't think it. Um, but whatever, they found their water and they were hanging out there. Garrett said he, he might have seen a herd bull in there, but we had about I don't know what do we have like 15 minutes of light. It was like a thousand yards away, so we're like, yeah. listen, let's not blow this out. Let's get down and we'll glass <laughs> here in the morning. And so we started the treacherous. <laughs> pitch black uh return trip to uh the cabin (laughs) yeah uh, that ended day one for us i like to live by the uh the guidelines of you're always hunting until it's dark and then you can walk back to camp especially in our scenario like we're not trying to drive anywhere like by the end of the day like okay yeah we're trying to drive off the mountain just back to camp down here but like the end of the day it's really not too bad of a situation to be in but I had very, very different thoughts about five minutes into that hike. <laughs> well, and we got a little smarter the next day. Oh, well, we had a trail the next day. Yeah. Well, hunting your way back. Well, yeah, John blazed that for us and luckily turned his Onyx tracker on, which that, I mean, that's been Onyx. Yes. I don't know how people hunt without it. Like, it's such a game changer. Like, you know, to track your route in and out so you can follow that same track. 
uh, reading contour lines, looking at all that, looking at the basins, like trying to identify stuff. Onyx is huge for that. I always think like how my dad would react to having like having had that. Like he he grew up doing everything kind of like kind of like George, honestly, like blue jeans and a t-shirt and hoodie kind of guy. But now it's like the technology just on your phone for hunting yeah. is amazing. I mean, it's amazing what Onyx allows you to be able to do and yeah. like. What we did yesterday wouldn't have been possible without it. Yeah. No. no. Brutal. no. Brutal. I mean, it would have taken we'd us still the entire be, day. We'd still be stuck out there. Doing it off of a paper map would have been very difficult. And I've done, John and I have done a lot of stuff off paper maps. And it, it's possible, but it, it would have taken a, it would have much slower. But, yeah, we dropped off. So sun goes down. We did the same thing. We're like, we're going to sit on this base until dark because, you know, they're going to come out. Nothing came out. Nothing came out. <laughs> Spoiler um, alert. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see anything, which... Could have been us. Um, I was kept checking our wind. It was mostly good. There was at one point the thermal dropped it where I didn't like it, but I think we were still far enough away from where we saw the animals come out that it wouldn't have affected it. Most of the time the thermal was either pulling. I tried to position us. So <clears throat> if the basin was kind of more angled towards our left, the, there was a draw going down all the way down the mountain. Didn't like that. <laughs> Definitely didn't like that. Oh, my God. And uh, Carter did not. And uh, – <laughs> But I was like, the thermal will pull us, pull the scent down the to back. the right all the way down. And, yeah, that was an approach, too. I think deer were potentially going to come from that direction, so that could have hurt us. But, you know. There's yeah, always somewhere. Yeah, there's no. always somewhere. You gotta <laughs> the pick wind's your, Yeah, the wind's going to go somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, we knew the elk were going to potentially come from the other side. And so we were setting up there, and I thought the deer would come from the other side. Based on that trail that we walked in, it leads right to the basin, and that's where there was tracks everywhere. So I was like, if we can get positioned on this other this backside then i think we're going to be okay but we weren't um so we don't know why but you know these animals it was warm that day so they might have just come in you know right after dark right after we left but cole when we had gone up to the top and glass down you can see the main road that goes into camp and cole was like why don't we just drop down and i was like that's a great idea I was like, we'll just drop it. I'm like, cars over there. Like, what are you guys talking about? I was like, this is impossible. We can't. <laughs> that road is 50 miles away. There's no way. It looks real small. Like, I it was it, so ready to walk like, back. I had to look at Onyx in. six times. Though. I was like, there's no way that's the road. That looks like a trail is so far away. And when we, we dropped a couple thousand feet in the pitch black, and it was, silly. we were fine. It was silly. I, I would do it again. But I would do it during the, like, I would leave a little early. And then hunt our way down, honestly. Because there was sign in. There was a lot of sign in there. Um, but it was steep. It was real steep. We got cliffed out once. My anxiety, anxiety like started to go up. Yeah, there was a couple times. I was leading leading out and a couple times where I had to tell Carter, like, hey, don't don't follow me. Like, because I knew if you were standing, if, if standing behind me when I peeked over. And sh sh a couple times I sh shone my light and couldn't see anything. <laughs> And I've got a pretty good uh, head torch, and it, it, it was – I couldn't – I was like, that's just black. I was like, yeah, well, I'm not going this way. That's a cliff. It was steep enough where – If you had fallen, you wouldn't have stopped unless you got caught up in the brush. Uh, for sure. Yeah. But it, it was, was steep enough where we were like, man, we could be the only humans who have ever walked on this slope before. It's a safe bet that nobody's stupid enough to do that. But we got down in a fraction of the time it was taking us to walk the other way. Well, and then we had to walk up the damn mountain camp. <laughs> well, so I don't know who won. <laughs> well, luckily Ryan picked us up. But, yeah, it was uh, – we I looked at Onyx and saw how far we were from camp and didn't have the heart to – Luke was like, don't check. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I was like, yeah, we're, we were almost to the, to the 
fucking main road, the highway. We were way down there. <laughs> and when I saw that, I knew if I told them, they might just sit down. Dude, it's a you fifth, guys were below the a, vents, weren't you? We yeah. were below the vents. We were way <laughs> Dude, down Dude, we were not even <laughs> close to the vents. We were we were probably two and a half miles we, it's from It's a 20-minute drive. And it's two and a half miles straight up. Like, camp is, a, is up towards the top. Shout out to Ryan for picking us up. Yep. Thanks, buddy. And so from there, we... Uh, yeah, we walked up and got picked up. But like, it was I, that was I've dropped before, and that's why I was confident we could do it. And I could, if I, I'm pretty good at picking a route down a mountain. I grew up in the mountains, like going down steep stuff, and this was another level. Is and it like a thousand foot drop. At, I'd have to look on the contours, but at least I mean it was. It, it might have been more. It was at least a thousand. It was ten thousand. <laughs> Dude, it, it could have been a two thousand foot drop when you look at like frawling. Like when you look at like how far we dropped. The, yesterday versus that and that was straight down like when we were at the bottom when you look up you're like oh my god i couldn't I we felt just like my feet were off the ground <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were halfway i kept lying to him too i like looked at him like yeah we're halfway there halfway there Dude, we were halfway for a long time <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it was a uh, it was an experience but uh, yeah you're it's so steep in most of the parts that you're basically your ass is almost touching the ground you're it's almost safer to slide down. Yeah. At that well, point, that's what I kept telling them. I was like, if you start sliding, get your feet in front of you, and you know, don't tumble, just fall, and and don't fight it, and just use your hands to break. Cause like, yeah. Then that's all I could think about doing. <laughs> after you said that. But yeah, that rap. I mean, that's that was day one. I mean, we were, we were on critters. We were hunting a good spot. I mean, in the the walk in, we're on the side of like we we kind of over we blew through that right that three miles. Like, not only are we seeing this incredible sign. Yeah. And tracks. It was just cool to see bear tracks and cat tracks, coyote tracks, and all these deer. With big, there's a couple, a couple buck tracks that the buck weighed as much as I do, if not fucking a lot more. I mean, there, and, there could have the been sites, 250. The sites are epic up here. I mean, this place is gorgeous. Just imagine what you think hunting in Colorado is. This is it. You know, you've got snow-capped peaks with balds in the distance. You've got you know steep ridges and just hellhole thousand foot drops two thousand foot drops it is overwhelming though like when you think about how do we kill if we killed something and honestly well in that basin if you killed something you're going out the road and just humping it out three miles like that's 100 percent it but some of those spots the only way is to go down is to drop like where we were on the rock if we had shot one <laughs> close and uh which, which season was that this year where ryan and josh second had, second season yeah the guys shoot one from the rock down yeah. in that valley below. And Ryan and Josh were the guides who were packing it out, and they got down. Just getting to it, Ryan said it was crazy sketch. He, he brings his dog with him everywhere. He was having to pick his dog up by its harness and, like, set it down cliffs and shit because there's no way the dog could get down. Yeah. And they get down to it. And it was 500 yards down to where the yeah. – five 600 yards down to where that elk was at. Yeah, and that's how steep it was. And then they had to drop all the way down to the road from there. So They opted to take it the – two and a half miles down to the road instead of back up, back up 600 <laughs> yards. Yep. So. And that, that's a good, when you're picking your routes and like, we'll wrap this one up here in a second. That'll be a part two of this. We'll see how ma much of a, how many parts of this saga there'll be. Um, but the direct path is usually not the best. <laughs> I like to follow if I'm following tracks elk will typically it seems like will typically will will not just go straight up straight down clearly they will but I think what I've was kind of learning with the elk deer definitely don't 
the deer deer tracks are good because they are side sloping and they're kind of carving up. They don't go straight up. The only critter that habitually goes straight up that I've seen is pigs. Hogs will go straight up, straight down all the time. Their paths are always straight. They just go. Same with John Ritter. And same with John Ritter. He's, <laughs> he's part hog. And then deer always cut side slope trails. And so if I'm on, if I if I can get on a deer trail, I know I'm going to be going generally right. Elk seem to want to do that unless that they get to a real steep piece like the one that we dropped yesterday they were like that's ah, too shitty to go around we're just gonna go straight off of it so <laughs> we're just gonna just gonna drop ourselves. i don't know how i do it i mean yeah it's crazy that heavy of an animal just going straight up straight down but yeah it's it's something to definitely be cognizant of because you can get yourself in a bad position even just day hunting like if if you're not paying attention you can get yourself in a bad position quick yeah I mean, we got pretty lucky um, that there was a route. I do have some a little bit of experience when I was dropping us down, so that that helped to pick it. But there was a, t- a couple times my anxiety because I get, you know, my risk tolerance is pretty high, and so I'm like, yeah, we can make it. And uh, <laughs> if we had gotten totally cliffed, it would have been really shitty, especially that dark because it was by that point it was pitch black. Well, and that's just it, right? Ninety percent of that comes down to the dark. Like, if you don't have good quality headlamp or something like that, like, you're in a really, really bad situation. And, like, might, well, as, well, might as well just shiver it out. It's starting yeah. when the sun comes up. That was, <laughs> that, fire and just that was my, my other piece was, and I have a rechargeable O-light that I can clip to the brim of my hat. And it's really bright, but it's rechargeable. And I was like, I couldn't remember. I hadn't used it much since I last charged it, but it didn't. I knew it didn't have a full charge. And I knew we were, I was going to have it on for a while, and so I was even worried about that because my torch was a lot brighter than the standard headlamp, and so I could see a lot more. And so I was like, man. So I immediately came back that night and recharged everything. But that's just like the preparation piece is like checking your gear, making sure you have fresh batteries and your headlamps. Because if you're in that kind of position and like you lose your headlamp light, like what what do you do? You know, you're screwed. You're screwed, and you can only get so far with a cell phone. And from there, like that's not going to last long either. So. Well, and there's a benefit in those kinds of scenarios, too, to it being a headlamp, right? Like, you're, it's hands-free. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, if you're trying to sit there, carry your phone, or carry a flashlight, and you're trying to, like, do that in one hand, that thing is... It, now your hand is basically, like, useless. I mean, it... Yep. You're trying to navigate the light instead, and I already carry my rifle as yep. it is, because slings save lives, but... I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, well, it was a pretty epic first day. No regrets. Zero. Zero. And then yesterday, foreshadowing, we didn't kill anything, but it was also epic. <laughs> and one of the most epic days of my life, honestly. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. You know, good. like, it was... It was terrible, but it was great. Yeah. Best Thanksgiving ever. Yeah. It was Thanksgiving. Yep. And then we came back to a hell of a Thanksgiving meal. Shout out to, to Nick and Jody uh, and their kids. Their daughter made the sweet potato casserole. It was pretty good. That was the that was the perfect meal that we we put in. But I'm sure we can do a full episode. That's Hopefully. why we slept so well last night. We uh, had a well, we also put 11.7 miles. Oh no no no! Rough turkey dinner. Roughest terrain <laughs> out there. But yeah, let's uh, let's wrap this up with like a couple of uh, like lessons that we learned because you know we're none of us are that experienced with hunting elk. Um, at all, really, in the big scheme of things. There's guys out there with infinitely more. Actually, Ryan just walked by. That's the guy we need to get on here and talk about elk. Uh, He'll be on part two. What uh, 
What's something you learned, Garrett? Um, my biggest thing was uh, temperature management as yep. we were walking. Uh, Carter and I talked about that on the Tuesday Tips episode. Was just like, I can hike all day in a in a hoodie and whatever else, but like the second that I started sweating, it was kind of bad news. And like, I mean, even on these day trips, it's not the worst thing in the world. But like, this is easily the coldest hunt that I've been on. Mm-hmm. I mean, just consistently, just cold. When you get wet. Having the dry socks that everybody had yesterday, like when we took lunch, like that was kind of a pro move for everybody to at least have. Like, I think you said it; it made things just ninety percent better. Like, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a hundred percent better. It wasn't going to cure all of the problems, but now your feet aren't cold. Now your feet don't just ache when you're standing there. Yeah, just I did it. something something like that can go a long way. And like, I mean, if you do get into a survival scenario, that's what saves your life is staying warm. Yeah, yeah, we did tips before this hunt talking about gear, and it was actually funny, ironically. I was talking about wicking, right, and how if the bottom of your pants are underneath your gaiters and they get mm. snow on them, it'll wick up. Mm-hmm. Well, I had the opposite happen. My gaiters were good, <clears throat> and my boots were good. My feet sweated too much because we started off, I was wearing too many layers, and we went straight up a fucking hill. But when we were doing that, that went straight up. I'm sure the snow actually went above my gaiters, so the top of my pants got wet. And I wasn't wearing water-resistant pants, which is, that's a big thing for me. I'm going to upgrade some kit in some certain places, my pants being the first. Um, I definitely want better pants. And the moisture all wicked down into my boots because I had bloused my boots, so my pants were tucked into my boots to keep the moisture from coming up well then it all just went down soaked the top of my socks then went down soaked the rest of my socks and then from there it was just bad news and so those socks were damp my feet had sweated so the front of my toe box was damp and yeah we stopped for lunch at about 1 30 or 2 and swapped socks but yeah that was that was that's a great tip and like it's not a it's not a sprint like if you don't have to get your heart rate up and then it's the same thing with uh like the altitude management I've lived at 6,000 feet for a while, but I've been spending a lot of time in Louisiana because I live down there. Part, I'm kind of splitting time now and coming up. And then John, like, John was feeling the effects a little bit of the altitude. And a lot of that is it's heart rate. <clears throat> so if you're redlining, your your heart's pumping and your body wants oxygen faster, it's not going to get it. And so you can speed up the effects of altitude sickness uh, with the overexertion. So trying to manage, like heart rate management is really big. And then it's also, it goes hand in hand with core temp management. And if you're getting warm, just stop, shed a layer. If you're down to your base layers, you're getting warm. I mean, at one point, I mean, it's on the north side of that mountain when it was cold as shit. And I was, I sweated through the brim of my hat, <laughs> you know, cause we were moving and it's like, we don't, you don't have to move it. And it's hard cause you're like, you want to get to where you're going. You want to get to the top of the mountain because you know that like, that's where the elk are, or I want to be able to glass the elk. but having the discipline to like calm down a little bit is huge. Yeah. What do you got? You hear everybody talk about thermals forever, but actually being able to experience the practical application of watching the thermals. When we were throwing with you the, yesterday, yeah. when we were throwing the powder. Powder. That was cool cuz I was like, "Oh, maybe it's cuz I'm just visual kind of guy, but I'll just watch that shit get sucked down the mountain." I was like, Oh. Well, because all day I was driving him crazy because I forgot my powder and I was like, Carter, throw it up, throw it up, throw it up, yeah. throw it up. And it was just shooting right up the mountain, right up the it mountain, right super, up the mountain. It was super cool. And then at one point it was right down. It was super cool. So that was 
that was really cool understanding and seeing that for the first time and you know you do your due diligence and study and understand thermals before you get out here but seeing that in, in person was far more effective than reading about it or listening to it on a youtube video so that was cool and then i'm glad i practiced at home setting up my my glassing setup with my tripod and my bino attachment and practicing detaching and putting it in and packing it up and having a designated spot in my pack for it. I'm glad I did that. Felt a little bit more efficient than I could have been. Yeah. Now I realize like, okay, that's well worth practicing in your backyard or whatever. Definitely. Knowing your shit is really important. What do you got? Ron Jitter. Um, I mean, I'm a pretty good hunter, dude, so I don't really learn much. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would say for me, it was like it was the preparation for the hunt. Um, I've been hunting for like 20 years, but pretty exclusively to whitetail, waterfowl, and turkey. Um, and I have any piece of equipment you could ever imagine you would need for any of those applications. And then looking at coming out here, I realized I had almost nothing that was crossing over in, in relevance to what I needed out here. Um, this is something, if you think you want to do this in the future or like, you know, you know, like in the next 10 years, I'm going to go elk hunting. Like you might want to start buying some stuff or else you're going to spend a couple grand <laughs> right before you come. It is. And I, and I didn't even know what I was looking at. It's like, you got to start talking to anybody, you know, who's done it or get on, you know, the rock slide forum or anywhere because between glass, tripods, optics, all of your, really any of your camping slash mountaineering gear that you may need to sleep on the mountain. Cause I wish we had done that the first day we were here, but hindsight, I wish pads, that you and I would have stayed up there you know, and been tents. prepared to spike out because yep. the weather was, was appropriate. We were on those bulls within a hundred, hundred something yards. I think we would have been, I think if we were, would have been prepared yeah. for that, that night we would have been, but we had that stuff and we just yeah. didn't bring it. So that's another thing, but yeah, it's just hard to know equipment. You don't want to bring camping. it all. Yeah. Is that hike in? You did it's not. Yeah, we easy. didn't. We didn't know. I mean, in, well, and honestly, they, they dropped during that well, we found out the next day. They dropped out of there during the night, so it may not have helped you guys out. Yeah. You know, but. But I also would have preferred nice. to go to sleep right there than, yeah. than make walk, that walk, walk back. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. That's. Right. <laughs> yeah, I would have spiked on top of that. Three extra hours of sleep. But the, gear. Oh, that's my thing. If you haven't western hunted, because this is, I think all of you guys have at least on one hunt, and I hadn't. There's a lot of money that goes into yep. you don't need it, right? Because you know, your dad went out here with jeans and a t shirt and killed some stuff, probably. So George does. <laughs> but like, in order to, if you want to stay warm and like maximize your glassing capability, and like, and I, I, you know, my friends have spotting scopes, you know, or decent spotting scopes, and like, how much is a decent spotting scope? $1,000 yeah. in and of itself. And then you got to spend six or 700 on a decent tripod and like, whatever the other little piece is that goes yep. on top of the tripod, the arm. Like, it, it, there's a lot of money that goes into it, especially if you're going by yourself or with another guy who's never done it. So this is something that you should start buying gear for a couple years in advance unless you unless you got deep pockets. Well, and with, the, with gear, it's that idea of, like, you're trying to buy the gear that's going to make you a half a percent more comfortable, right? Like, especially this cold weather kind of stuff. Like, you could go out there in jeans and a T-shirt and hoodie, and if you're just tougher than shit, you'd be fine, right? But how much better is it to not be soaking ass wet and, like, not be cold, like, have some some better gear that's going to make it at least enjoyable for you? Because, like, yeah. that's how you kill animals. You have to yeah. – the longer you're out there, the better it is. 
as we sit here and camp in the middle of the day. Yeah, I'm getting mad anxiety because all this fog's burn off now. And all right, let's wrap it up and go kill something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of sec second all y'all's stuff. It, you know, it's especially the gear. There's definitely things. I haven't done a late season hunt. This is definitely the coldest. And there's a lot of stuff I've gotten away with hunting warmer weather. And even the cold stuff that I've done has not been in. I mean, we were post hauling like to my almost to my knees and my stumpy little legs in snow at certain points. And like that was something I did not anticipate was how deep the snow would be on like the north sides of the slopes. And like it makes sense because the north sides hold the snow. So I should have done better there. I also was a disorganized mess on the way out of here. Living in two states, I thought my a lot of my cold weather gear was back in Colorado at my house. And then turns out it was in my deployment box that was in my buddy's garage back in Louisiana. So I was like, fuck. So I didn't have any of like my ski gloves and like the, so like there's just a couple things that I would definitely have, have prepped ahead of time um, and made the time. And I definitely could have some of that's just the chaos of my life and living in two locations. But yeah, the preparation and the gear and being comfortable, knowing layering systems, all that's so important. And then I know all this and I still let my core temp get too high twice. Um, or like we were walking off the mountain the second or the, that other night, like you were like, dude, your ass is soaked. You were wet. Yeah, I should have taken my you leggings sweated off. You through your pants. orange. Yeah. Your yeah. vest. Did I? Yes. I, that might have been, there was, no, there was no snow there. Oh, yeah. You're just a little hot boy. Hot. <laughs> Thick. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, at that point, I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. I'm already wet, and, like, our only way is to get off, and we're going back to, you know, a camp, luckily, where I can dry everything out, and so you just got to get off. In worst case, like, just don't stop moving. That's what John and I were talking about is, like. Walk till daylight. Yeah, if you, if you got to yeah. do a walk till daylight. I was talking to them about that. Keep you alive. You know? I was like, that sounds terrible. If anything gets gets bad, you just do a walk till daylight. And you just walk out and don't stop moving. If you just walk in circles. If you, <laughs> if you stop moving, that's when you're going to get cold um, and just keep moving. But, yeah, it's been a fucking fun couple days so far. I've learned a ton about hunting out here. Yeah, I'm stoked to recap yesterday. Yeah. Hopefully we can combine yesterday and today because this morning was pretty short. Yeah. Ended with was, some good shit tonight. It was a little short today, but we'll see how it goes the rest of the day. Still got half a day left. Awesome. Well, let's wrap this shit up. Hell yeah. I want to get on the mountain. Let's do it. All right, we're going to go look for some critters that aren't here. As always, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. Thanks for all the support. Elk 